Let's pray. Father God, we give you thanks for uh, the Word of God which has spread far and wide, bringing with it life and bring it with it the love and the grace of God. And I pray now for my brother singing as he shares the Word, Lord, that you would use it to, to not only encourage us but to challenge us to bring this same Word which is life and which is spirit to all around us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Morning, church. It was also a little bit of holiday in Holland. All I can say is I visited some pig farms and some uh, cow farms and uh, looked at some beautiful paintings. It has been good for me, and, and this trip was planned some time ago for me to study and for me to look into some of the interesting things that we can do in the mission field, particularly in the area of farming. Holland has brought some very interesting items and managed to get some contacts there to go into a pig farm to be able to see what they are doing. I've been reading a little bit about that, and I found that uh, one of the best pigs, the sow, the female, can give 16 piglets in one birth. This is about one of the best I've seen. And uh, they can do 2.4 births per year. Compared to the mission field that I've seen, it's about only, at, at best, in a playing field, about 11 births, and then two births per year. So Holland has something to teach, and... It's quite interesting to see how they manage the pigs and how they fatten the cow. Well, um, enough of that. Uh, let me just uh, go into this topic which I've been also thinking about. And especially for this Mission Sunday, I want to deal with this issue of doing good. What does it mean? And let me walk you through the brief uh, two sessions that I've worked at. And one of that, like all things I believe, our thoughts must first be theological. The framework that the Bible provides for us is something very important to set how we look at anything. And so the theological framework is something that I would want to put in. And then from there, I would like to take away some, uh, some points that we can take away and look at, at what the Bible teaches as we scan on this topic. And then we look at how we would like to approach doing good, not just in Singapore, but overseas. And what are the challenges we face and how we should not grow weary in doing good. And then finally, some applications. I'm going to divide my talk uh, looking at two contexts. One context is the, I would say, the overseas context, and I will be covering some portions of that agenda. And then after that, I will be looking at the Singapore context uh, next Sunday as I look at that and, I, and how we can see uh, Scripture teaching us, looking locally, looking overseas. Now, there are some, there's a special gift I'm going to have. And if you have your piece of paper, you want to take, and uh, there's some quiz that I want to give to you. A quick one, huh? If you, I, I will go on an honor system and if you believe that you have scored it correctly, come to me, I have a special gift for you. Uh, it, it's not a cheap gift, but it's a good gift. Huh? All right. 
First question. What is the second most talked about topic in the Bible? You have six choices. One is love. Second is sex. Third is money. Four is poor or poverty. Five is the law. Six is family. Okay, write that down. All right. Second question. What is the most talked about topic in the Bible? Same, six choices. Love, sex, money, poor, law, family. Now, you must answer that before I show you the third question. All right. You ready? The second most talked about topic, interestingly, is about money. Okay? The question is, how many verses in the entire Bible talks about money? You have, again, uh, five choices, 250 passages, 500 passages, 1,000, 1,005, 2,000 passages. And then, obviously, the most talked about topic, by now you can probably see, will be on the topic poor. And the question is, how many passages, how many references in the Bible? From 1,005, 2,000, 2,005, 3,000, 3,005. Let me give you the answer for number three. There are 2,000 passages in the Bible that talks about money. Pretty much, huh? It's a lot if you look at that. And the poor, some of you are thinking it must be 3,005. And the answer is wrong. It's 3,000. Right? There are about 3,000 passages talking about poor or poverty in the Bible. It is the most talked about topic which therefore tells us a little bit about how God wants us to think and how God wants us to focus in the many parts of our life. And the fourth question, and the fifth question is, what is the best blessing? You see no, so many blessings huh, in the Bible. What is the best blessing in the Bible? Any idea? You're wondering too, right? Uh, let me share with you two of my favourite I believe they would rank very high. Uh, let me tell you, one of them is Proverbs 19, verse 17. Another one is taken from Isaiah 58. And in, uh, let me read to you Proverbs 19, verse 17. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and He will reward them for what they have done. Very seldom in Scripture or nowhere else in Scripture would you find that you can lend anything to God. And this is the only reference so far I've ever seen. And Isaiah 58 pronounces many interesting blessings. If you read that, you will find that it is one of the most interesting blessings to ever have. And it has to deal with how you relate to the poor. I always say that if the Lord blessed you like this in Isaiah 58, you actually don't need anything else. Let me go to the message today, the context of overseas. And in over the years, over the 20 over years that I've been serving in the field and coming back and serving, this is what I see. And about close to 30 over years ago, the poverty level or what we measured by one US dollar per day is about close to one billion, about 30%. Today it has been narrowed down to 10% uh, of the population. 
but there is another interesting angle that the World Bank report, this is the latest I have so far in 2015, that shows about 26.2% or 1.9 billion of the world today lives on 3.2 US dollar a day or less. And this is a scene on a rubbish dump site, which is very common in my days and still common today, but not allowed for people to go up in the Philippines to see. And they have innovated this uh, rubbish dump site quite a bit. They have covered it and they have put in uh, rods to extract methane gas from that and uh, powered up some of the lights along the rubbish dump area. This is another scene very familiar when I was there, still very familiar till today. It is the slums along the riverbanks. And then if you have a closer look, this will be a woman who will be recycling the plastics. And not too long ago, we have a lot of plastics that have been talked about. Further away from us, another scene that I've seen, and uh, this is a very painful sight for me, it's a brick clean, a very typical brick clean in Pakistan. Some many years ago that I saw this, until today, it's about one million families working among them. And very close to 95% are bonded slaves. They sold themselves basically willingly, knowingly that uh, they needed money, they borrowed, and they are now trapped in this system. About five million people big portion of them children that will never ever get to go to school and common sight for me to see when I went there and I talked to the family and I see this young boy looking at it and uh, pushing it and the mothers there join together they must make 1,000 bricks a day and then with this they will continue to be able to service the loans if they can but you must remember there are rainy seasons and when the rain comes, they cannot make. And therefore, it is impossible to pay the loan. Children like that will be trapped. And when I first saw it, I asked myself, what can I do? And it has been a journey of 12 years to really find the answer. And still finding some of the answers today. What does the Bible talk and tell us about doing good? Here are some range of scripture and some words that I searched is do good, doing good, good deeds. Scanning the Bible, mainly taken from the New Testament, I found some very interesting range here. I know uh, you don't have to look at all of them, but to give you a richness of it, if you want to have all these verses, tell me, I can send it over to you. But scanning it, reading it and meditating over a period of time, I have three takeaways I want to share with you. And this has framed my thoughts and hopefully our thoughts when we think of doing good. The first one, doing good is an essential ingredient or expression or the output or the result of knowing God. And some of the interesting passages that comes from that I extract is taken from Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10, and James chapter 1, verse 27, James chapter 2, 14 to, 20, 14 to 17, and verse 22, and then 3 John, 
chapter 1, verse 11. Let me read some to you that you can get the breath of what God's Word is teaching. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. Very familiar to us, but looked at it from this angle of doing good. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. James chapter 2, verse 14 to 17 and verse 22. What good is it, my brothers, sisters, if someone say he has faith and does not have works? Can the faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and is lacking in daily food, and one of you say to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. 3 John chapter 1, verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God and whoever does evil has not seen God. Interesting, huh? Our faith, in, uh, in many ways, um, is this. It's not real if it is only in thought and feeling. It must progress to practical deeds. It must progress and show itself in works. Put it in another way. If we do not do good, then our faith is either not real, of God is not first in our life. Simply put. Second takeaway, as we looked at it. And this is something very interesting for me as I looked at it. It says, Christians are to be eager and enthusiastic in dreaming up ways to do good for others. That's a very interesting phrase I came across. And I, I looked at it and it, it actually summarizes all the interesting passages. And I, I look at all the verbs that the New Testament has for doing good. And these are the verbs or the action verbs. Stir up, provoke, stimulate to good deeds. Equip for every good work. Rich in good works. Ready to share. Learn to devote and doing what is good, ready for every good work, always seeking to be good, pursuing to do good, pursuing it to the end. So, the, the richness of the verb allows me to scan, and let me read uh, these conclusions. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Interesting, a passage that we use quite often in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 to 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profit, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness 
that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Interesting, huh? The scripture equips us to do every good work. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 to 19. An interesting phrase for us to think about. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Scripture is filled with very interesting words for us as to how we are to do good. And one verse that really struck me was Titus, as I looked at it, and there's one particular verb, learning to devote ourselves to good works. Learning. Why, why learning? Because I think poverty has many expressions and has many interesting roots that derives it and causes it. And because of that, it requires us in different culture and in different contexts and in different surroundings to think how we can do good. It's not one size fits all. Over the years, I found. And in dealing with the people in the Brooklyn, it has been a journey of 12 years looking at how to introduce education for the children who would never be able to go to school and sit down with the parents, discussing with them, encouraging them to send the children to school and looking at their medical needs to arrange for medical doctors to go there and to have health education, what it means to eat, what it means to plan good food. And finally, to introduce other livelihood on top of them working at the Brooklyn during the rainy seasons so that they can earn, so they can put food on the table, so that they can save and hopefully in the years to come, see them redeem themselves from slavery. Interesting journey today, but a worthy one. What it means to struggle, what it means to work hard, what it means to think, what it means to allow Scripture to press upon our heart and to let our hearts be open for God to teach us what it means to do good. Third thing, third key takeaway for me, doing good is a powerful evangelism tool or a witness to the fact that God can change lives and transform a selfish life to a loving people. And you, you, you see this, a glimpse of it from certain passages of Scripture. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, and the words of our Lord, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And then in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 to 17, it says, Now who, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? 
But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear for them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honour Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behaviour in Christ may be put to shame, for it is better to suffer doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. How strong it is, huh? the, words, the words of the Bible to encourage our hearts. The third issue when I look at it is doing good for others is a powerful tool and doing good may cause some, not all, some to turn, some to give thanks, some to glorify God. And I think the church through its ages past have done well. But it is a challenge for every nation, every church, in every culture to continue that. I always look at some of the institutions. Princeton, for example, it was first set up as a theological school. Harvard, Cambridge, was in its first day of its life, the first thing that they studied is not the sciences, but the Word of God. This is where the seed was formed, and from there, it became a university. From there, it became, uh, till today, what we have in many of the colleges that we rank today as top 10 in the world. It has its roots, it has its place, it has its foundation, first, in the Word of God. But it's strange huh, how it turns out today. How are, we to, how are we to do good? How are we to approach this? You know, over the years, it's so easy to just take out from the wallet and give. And I thought, we have done good. It is good if we do this, but it's just only for the moment. And many times I sit with groups who have gone on a mission field. I still remember recently, just a few weeks ago, I sat with a group from a church and and the person looked at me and he's saying there was this family that I saw in a slum. I took out and I gave. And when I came back, I know it's only to relieve it for a few days. And I smile at her. And I says, uh, and then she looked at me, what can be done? I said, you want the short answer or you want the long answer? She looked at me and she was very quiet. She knows that long answer is, is a long answer. <laughs> the short answer is, well, continue. <laughs> and as I looked at it, and as I see that, I, I came across four words, and this is the words that myself, Elvin Gunn, and a few others, pastor, we have wrestled with it, and I want to share with you how we looked at it. Over the years, PBH focus has been in three areas. There can be more, but some fields I would love to get in will be a lot more complicated, but these three suffice to say, 
handles quite a few issues today among the poor. Education, health, and how to create work. Of the three, the one that has been the most challenging is the one on livelihood. Our approach and the forwards I want to introduce, not enough time for Sunday to elaborate but certainly some thoughts for you. The first one we have always over the years looked at, that it must be holistic. It is not just a physical, emotional, economic answer, but imbibed with it is a spiritual foundation that we want to put. Because I believe the cause of poverty is not the lack of money or the lack of work, but fundamentally sin. And the nature of it is in the sin in our heart and that must be corrected. That must be solved. And therefore, the spiritual element coming in, mixing the education, health and livelihood is a very key approach that we have taken. And oftentimes, this brings uh, tension in my own life. When is it? When should I be spiritual? When should I share the word? And when should I do good? And doing both together is constantly a challenge. And my conclusion is this, after 20 over years, this tension is a very good one. And the day I lose this tension is the day I lose the biblical framework in which my faith will stand. Introduce you to second word. Innovative. We coined it as turning ideas into possibilities. And so today, I would use every interesting innovation, every interesting thought, every interesting discovery of man in the area of science or anywhere to be able to look at and to see how we would solve. We are beginning to disperse animals in Pakistan, how to track the animal. So today, we have come up with an interesting process to track it. It's still in its primitive form. We actually introduced NFC, near field communication. It's a tag. You know, sometimes you go to the hotel room, you, you have a card, you tap it, the door opens. There is a chip inside there. So we actually buy a chip like this, very cheap one. It's only about 10 to 15 cents US, and it has about 10 space where we store the, the ID of the pig or the ID of the cow. And then we program our Android phone to tap it, to be able to enter a home, to share the word, to touch. Innovative? I think so. Developed by one of our programmers in church here. We've been working at it for the last two over years. Third one, sustainable. This is one of the most challenging ones how to look at it, not just from the manpower point of view, how to look at it to be sustainable, how to, how to continue to run school without just continuing to raise money. Yes, we need to do that. Like for example, in Pakistan, among the Brooklyn today, we have started 10 schools, helping 1,665 children, putting them in school. It employs close to 40 over teachers, and it's all funded from one school that we start in Pakistan. 
And interestingly, this school is English-based and has 600 students making enough money to fund these 10 schools. Interesting picture today. My thoughts 12 years ago would not have been possible. But today, sitting down with the brothers and sisters, struggling, working, talking, praying, trying, we found an interesting way to send 1,665 to school. Empowering. This is something that you see over the years that we try to do in PPH. Wherever we are, we try to build, we try to invest, we try to train. And having Pak Leo come here is a very important thing because on Tuesday, he flies to the Philippines. He goes to our pig farm to see how we handle the pig there. We have an odorless pig farm. It's a very interesting way to look at pigs, to enter a pig farm that has no smell, but to see how to deal with it and how to learn it and then how to bring it into East Timor and how to introduce that so that livelihood can and will be in many of the work we do, we spend time quietly. And so many times in my home, I would sit down and over a cup of coffee, have very interesting conversations one-on-one -on -one with many of the workers that pass by. I believe this is where empowering is done. This is where building is done. And this is where the church, as we come together, as each one of you have volunteered to host, to take care, has made it possible. And you will continue to see. And so when we send Bessie and Ellen to Thailand, India, late 50s, quite interesting, huh? And I told him, I says, I think you have about good seven to eight years, at least in the mission field. Question is, what do you want to see at the end of the day? And he says, what I would like to see, what the elders would like to see is this, that the work is passed on to a Thai and a Thai is able to handle it and you to go from, day, from time to time to sit down with them and to see how that work can go into Laos, can go into Cambodia, can go into Vietnam, can go into Myanmar. That would be a picture to enjoy. Four words, huh? holistic, innovative, sustainable, empowering. Let me conclude. Let me say the first group, I like to talk to the seniors. I'm in that category, past 55, touching 60, and the, the encouragement is continue to do good, rich in good works. I'm... I'm over the years, surprised by some interesting example. I'm going to show you one couple that I know, not from this church. I intentionally put it from outside the church and also a very interesting age. Let me introduce you, Fred to El and Elaine. I walk with them, one of my friends, got to know and, uh, from another church. And at 67 and 68, they packed their bags and left Singapore last year and went to start and for very interesting, a learning center, especially for English 
in Kachin State, northern Myanmar. This June, he came back for a break and I caught up with him and I asked him, hey, Fred, what is the most challenging thing physically for you? And then he looked at me and says, what a strange question to ask. Huh? I said, yeah, you're 68. Huh? <laughs> I'm 57. You know, I like to think, what, what is it like? You know? And he looked at me, you know, the weather there is very dry and I've been struggling with that. My nose will drip and drip and drip like it is raining. I've never experienced it in my life. I'm learning to cope. I'm learning to deal with it. And I, I looked at him and said, wow, 68, huh? still that packed up, had grandchildren, two sons, and then left for Myanmar. He's going to go back soon. Let me share with you, to the married and to the young family, 30s to 50s, I would say provoke, pursue, be ready for good works. Very soon, we're going to confirm a couple in our midst uh, who will go and preparing today for medical missions. And uh, the elders, the deacons, and myself, we've been walking slowly with a couple. And, I, and part of that journey is to look back at one's life, to work through the families, parents who felt, may felt the loss of a son, a daughter, work through wrapping up your work, work through preparing to be going and being lonely, work through the preparation to suffer for Christ. This is the, one of the rare couples that are being prepared and I pray that out of this church will come some more. The third one, the young, the less than 20s to 30s, be equipped and learn to do good. Seeking always to do good. And this is the challenge for us today. Let me close by saying this. We have only one life. And if we believe what Scripture teaches is true, then whatever we do on earth, will determine eternity for us. And the Bible teaches us to hold this in our hearts and in our minds. This home that we call earth is not home. We are just passing through. And the home that will come in eternity will be determined by the 70, 80 or the 90 years we live on earth and how we respond with it will set the tone of how when the gates of heaven open and when we meet God one day. My heart, my prayer is this. I'm, I'm over the years and still is uh, happy to be in PPH I find this church is one of the church that were there. And over the years, we set to me a very interesting benchmark for what a church should be. We are sending close to eight people to the field. 
we are having five others seconded to different places. Not under directly under PPH, we still support partially. We are helping a Bible school in Batam. And as you have heard from Danny, out of the ten or eight, nine years of Telugu service here, we have already seen ten in full-time service. Four today are in Bible school that we are putting there. And we are helping this work to be sustainable in the long term. Not just receiving and continue to receive, but to be able to receive and yet be able to sustain financially the work. It is a very challenging work. My challenge for each one of us, do not stop your giving, not just money, but your time and your effort. And the Lord will bless. Let us pray. Father, we are humbled through the years. We are humble. I'm humble. As I look, thank you for leading us as a church. Thank you for challenging us as a congregation to continue to do good despite our age, despite our limitations. But when we look up to you, Lord, we ask continually that you will press upon our hearts, you will challenge everything inside us to reflect and thereafter to act on what you press upon our hearts, that we will shine more brightly for you and shine more deeply for you in this world where there is so much pain, in this world there is so much tears and sadness, that your light will come and bring hope when they see our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for this privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, let me ask you to stand and I will close with benediction. Now may the God of peace who brought from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless.